Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. Good to be together this morning to worship the Lord. Thank you, Braden. Thank you, Ash, for a great interview. Try that again. So, folk, um, we've been going through the book of Jude, and as we go through this book, uh, you begin to see that, that um, Jude is writing to, to Christians, uh, to followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and telling them to... Uh, to beware of of pulpits that fall down. <laughs> well, that's appropriate. <laughs> Sorry, Brazen. Um, and so, as we have a look at what what Judy is writing to us about. Uh, we, we want to have a look and, and be prepared in case uh, these false teachers come into the church. And, and it is our responsibility <laughs> to make sure that everything works well. <laughs> and as a pastor, it is my responsibility that, that I warn you about false teachers that I warn you that there could be false teachers around that will come into the church and will lead us astray. Now, how do you know that that will be the case if you don't know what is right and what is wrong? And, uh, you know, one of the characteristics of an elder is to be sober-minded. And sober-minded is not because they don't consume any alcohol. Sober-minded, that Greek uh, word, means to know the difference between right and wrong and to hold on to that which is right. So that only comes with time. And so I'm hoping to to show you from the Bible today that it is important to heed what Jude warns us about, to hold on to that which is good and to abide by it. There are people who will come around uh, and tell us that uh, there are new things every day. You know, they, they read the Bible and they'll come up with something amazingly new. Uh, something that is so radically new that uh, no one's heard before. And I want to reassure us this morning that in the last 2,000 years in the New Testament, there has been nothing that has become so new that no one knows about. And then, uh, you know, the Old Testament as well, since God created the heavens and the earth, you know, and created humanity, there is nothing new that we need to know about that is so profound that we need to change the direction of our faith. And Jude warns us about that. He warns us about that. And, uh, you know, in theology, there is what we call revelation, 
you know, there is what we call general revelation and also special revelation in that next slide. General revelation and special revelation. General revelation is basically as we look at creation, as we look at what God has done, we begin to uh, realize that there is something more than just us. There, there, God reveals himself. As you walked in this morning, behind you would have been, you may have seen this beautiful rainbow. When you look at the rainbow, you go, oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Those colors that God has put together, uh, just super amazing. Uh, as, you, as you look at the oceans, as you look at the beautiful sunsets, as you look at creation, generally God reveals himself. We call that general revelation. The other one is called special revelation. That when you read your Bible, God reveals himself in a special way. That's a message directly for you and for me. We call that special revelation. You may have read a passage and uh, many times, but this particular time, it, it's bold, it's italics, it, it's underlined as it were, uh, and in your face. God is saying something to you and to me specially. The Greek word for revelation is the word apocalypsis, apocalypse. And coming from two words, apo, from, and kalypto, unveil. The best way to describe it is if Maria were to make a pot of soup, and I say to her, what's in it? She says, take the lid off and look. As you take the lid off, it will be revealed to you what is inside. Unveil it. Take the lid off and have a look inside. You see, as we look at creation, God reveals himself. As we read the Bible, God reveals himself to you and to me. And there is nothing new that we discover as we read the Word of God. One of the the themes in the scriptures are the battle between good and evil. The battle between light and darkness, if you like. Now, you can take two extreme views on this. The one is that, you know what, the evil world does not exist. Uh, that there is uh, evil that actually is not for Christians. That it doesn't really exist. That, you know, we, we should just um, ignore it. The other extreme is that we become so absorbed by it that everything revolves around it. And that's the other extreme. And so they are both extremely dangerous when you push them uh, to their ultimate ends. And I want to show you today that from the Bible, we can actually understand that the evil and demonic world exists, but we don't need to be absorbed by it. And what can we do on the 10th of July, 2022, to try and be overcomers of this reality that evil exists? Well, the passage is Jude chapter 5, uh, sorry, Jude verse 5 and verse 6. One of the, uh, the profound things about preaching a little book in four weeks is that you can't skip over some of the difficult passages. And this is one of them. You know, but I, I want to deal with it faithfully. And so Jude 5 and 6 from the NIV. 
New International Version. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered His people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling, these He kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. The message says it this way. I'm laying this out as clearly as I can. Even though you once knew all this well and enough and shouldn't need reminding. Here it is in brief. The master saved a people out of the land of Egypt. Later he destroyed those who defected. And you know the story of the angels who didn't stick to their post. Abandoning it for other dark missions. But they are now chained and jailed in a black hole under the great judgment day. I think the first thing I want to say is that angels are part of the darker mission, certainly the angels that had fallen, the angels that had fallen. And that little dog is not a fallen angel. It's interesting to note that no other place in the Bible uh, do we read about this occasion, that before God created humanity, there was this, this uh, in the distance of past of infinity, God confronted uh, the evil powers that were in existence. And the Bible tells us uh, that the angels did not keep their proper domain. Their, uh, the, the King James says their first estate. Uh, the Greek word there uh, is archi, the beginning. They didn't keep their origin. Uh, the picture behind this word archi is uh, you know, the, the four corners of a sail on a ship, the sail, the four corners, they, they are created to be in their corners. That's their rightful position. If the one corner uh, loses its position, then it won't function properly. And what Jude is saying to us, there were angels who were created, uh, the Bible says, in the image of God. In other words, they had choices to make between good and evil, and they chose evil. They were created in the image of God, but chose evil. They wanted to be better than God. Now, one of the unique things about us being created in the, in the image of God is that we have choices to make. We can accept the Lord Jesus Christ and worship Him and adore Him and lift Him up, or we can reject Him and not worship Him. The difference between us and animals is that we have choices to make. We don't act out of instinct because we are not animals. We're created in the image of God. I've put our little dog um, Penny up there. Her real name is Penelope Joy Christophides. No, um, but, but Penny doesn't have a choice to make. She doesn't choose whether to be moral or immoral. She chooses to be loving to us so we can give her treats. But we can choose to worship God or not. We have uh, the ability and the power to make moral or immoral decisions. These angels chose to go on a darker 
mission rather than be uh, followers of who they were created to be, to be uh, in the position of worshiping the true and living God. And so they ceased in their position. Also, the reality is that there is a clash of good and evil in heaven. There was that clash. The Bible says this confrontation in heaven, and we can pick it up in, in the book of Revelation. It's uh, Revelation chapter 12, almost an instant replay of what took place of this war in heaven. And uh, Jude verse 6, and also 2 Peter 2, 4, and Revelation chapter 12 verse 9, talks about this rebellion of Satan. Satan comes uh, with his angels, and he wants to take over and be greater than God who created them. And so they forfeited their position. And folk, when it comes to uh, being created in the image of God, we need to realize that we are creatures and that He is creator. And our position is to glorify His name. And the word glorify, doxazo, uh, means to make His name famous, to exalt Him because of who He is. Is. And so what happened to them is they, they lost their dwelling place. They lost their dwelling place. And the Greek word for dwelling is the word ikos, which means house. So when they failed to fulfill the purpose of their creation, they lost their position and fell from it. Because they were created in the image of God to worship God. That is where they were supposed to dwell. But God allowed them to, uh, be, to lose their dwelling, as it were. And that's exactly what happens when we rebel against God. We lose our original position, and that's one of peace with God. Peace with God. And so, I think it's profound to say that angels will never win in rebellion to God, even if they are created as angels. But I also think it's uh, equally important to say that, that we can never win when we rebel against God. And Jude wants to warn the people. Listen, you cannot live as pagans and then not expect uh, the wrath of God. You cannot do that because God is real and God is a loving God that expects holy living. And he warns us about that, that we cannot live as pagans uh, and expect God to be on our side. And so those who sinned and wanted to be greater than God fell and will be waiting on the judgment of God on judgment day. And so 2 Peter 2, 4 says that God cast them, those angels, down to hell. Now, folk, uh, I don't want to get into a discussion about where is hell, but there is a, 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 a picture in the New Testament that Jesus speaks about, uh, a place called Tartarus or Tartaros. And that particular place uh, could be ringing in our ears, and as it does that, it could be warning us, beware, beware. Uh, it was, uh, in the Old Testament, the Valley of Gehenna. And if you go to, uh, to this place where it rings the whole time, um, <laughs> it, it's a place where Jewish people would not uh, build their homes. It was a place uh, where there was fire 
burning the whole time because it, tur- it was turned into uh, an ash heap. Uh, when I say an ash heap, a place where people would go and take their refuse. And so it would be burning. And that is a symbol uh, and a sign of that eternal judgment. And so uh, we call that place uh, Gehenna. And uh, Jesus spoke about it. And so I think there are three things pertaining to these angels. The first one is that they did not keep their high calling. They did not keep their high calling. Secondly, they, <laughs> they lost their house. <laughs> they lost their house. And thirdly, um, they were chained in a place called Tartarus, Tartaros. And so I think uh, there are a couple of conclusions that we need to draw here, lessons for you and for me. And I think the first, first one is that there is a real battle taking place. A real battle taking place. Just as there was a battle in the heavenlies, there is a battle taking place because Satan does not want uh, us to worship God. And so the reality is that there is a real battle taking place. The tempter, as the Bible calls Satan, the tempter comes and wants to deceive us slightly. Not too much because that's too bold in your face, but just slightly. And as he tries to deceive us slightly, so we can grab onto that attraction, that temptation, because he is called the tempter, and we can be led astray. Don Francisco sings that song, There is a war within my heart, it's tearing me apart. A war between two kingdoms and two masters. The word kingdom, Vasilia, has got a king. It's either King Satan or King Jesus. And there is a real tug of war taking place in our hearts and in our minds. And Satan wants to take that and lead us just slightly off the track. And as I showed you last week, slightly off the track in the long-term scope is far off the center. It looks attractive now, but the end of it is extremely destructive. James chapter 1 verse 14 says that when we are tempted, we are drawn aside by our own lusts. The word tempted there, pirazo, where we get the English word pyro, uh, somebody who's addicted to fire, fire is a pyromaniac. And so when the heat is turned on, is what this word is saying, when, there is, um, when we're being tried and tested, we can be drawn aside. We can be drawn aside, uh, James says in chapter 1, verse 14. Excelco, we, we, we can be lured aside. We, when, when Michael and I go fishing, we don't just throw uh, the, the, the line in the water with a hook on it. Fish can see that. What we do is we put a worm on it or we put some bait on it so we can lure, excelco, the fish onto the hook. They think it is food and they bite it. And they want to eat it and they get hooked. You see, that's what Satan, the tempter, tries to do. And Jude is warning us on the 10th of July, 2022, be careful what looks attractive can be your destruction. Beware. When the heat gets turned on, beware you don't get lured into a place. And he says, by your own lusts. That word, epithemia. Your own desires, your own cravings, and your own longings. You know, be careful 
that you don't become uh, bait for the evil one because, you know, you can stumble and fall when he comes to take you his way. And that's Satan's demonic world, you see. And his, uh, his mission is to deceive you and to deceive me. And so we ask the question, how do we deal with the devil? How do we confront him? How do we deal with, with evil in this world? How do we deal with, with this, the demonic spirits that come to, to lure us? You know, we, we know that demons are clear and they exist. If I could use this illustration of um, some water and, and you know, that, that is our life. And, and, you know, our life can often be, be tempted and we could be lured and, and our lives can become, you know, pretty dark, if you like, before you know it. And you'll be lured by, by the evil one. You'll be lured by the evil one. And before we know it, we're caught in this trap. And this trap is extremely dangerous to get out of because, you know, uh, it's so attractive and we don't see anything wrong. Folks, you've heard me tell the story of my late father. You see, he had no, uh, he, he did, couldn't understand that alcohol is bad for you when you consume too much of it. It can become an addiction. In fact, it can kill you. And that's what happened to him. At the young age of 61, a super bright man became addicted to alcohol. Addicted years ago. And it began to consume him. And it killed him eventually. It killed him. Cirrhosis of the liver is not good. And folk, that's what happens when we begin to deny the reality of the evil world. Now, we can't be obsessed with that, but we need to be made aware of that. We need to be made aware of that. I remember when uh, I used to take students on a rural mission trip. Uh, when I was a lecturer back in Johannesburg in South Africa, and uh, we would go into some rural communities. And the one community we went into, there was a young girl, uh, probably the age of 12, who'd been demon-possessed. Her grandmother was a witch doctor, and she was demon-possessed. And there was this uh, animosity in her while we were sharing uh, at the school, sharing the good news about Jesus. And she began to manifest uh, this demonic possession. And it took three adult school teachers to hold her down. She was grinding her teeth. Uh, you know, I, I, I've done, I'd done many years of military training, but this military training could not prepare me for this demon possession that I was witnessing. And as they held her, we began to pray for her. We began to pray for her. And uh, slowly being exhausted, it's amazing how a small 12-year-old girl can have so much power because it's a supernatural evil power. It's not a normal one. It's supernatural. And so as they held her down, we began to pray. We began to pray. We began to pray. Pray God into her. And as God began to penetrate her heart and mind, so she began to calm down. 
Now, friends, that's a reality that we're all faced with. And the reality is that only when we become born from above can we allow the evil one to go away. You see, light and darkness can't mix. When there is darkness, it's the light that will expel the darkness. Darkness exists. It's when the light comes in that the darkness has to flee. And I want to suggest to you this morning with absolute conviction that that's Jesus Christ and nobody else. Nobody else. We can go and see our psychotherapist. We can go and see counseling, seek counseling, which is good. We can go on medication, which is also good because the medical field can help us. But friends, it's only when we put our faith in Jesus Christ can we see the light. And I'm not denying all those other things. Those are realities. The medical profession is good for us. But when we try all these things and not put Jesus into the picture, that is dangerous, I want to suggest to you. And I want to suggest to you this morning that it is putting Jesus in, putting Jesus in, that a difference can slowly begin to take place in our lives because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world and that's the reality I want to share with you this morning Jude is saying be careful there are people that are being deceived and deceiving others and the reality of Jesus Christ is that we need to put him in so the other stuff can begin to go You see, there are a lot of people who say, well, when I stop drinking, when I stop my gambling, when I stop this, when I stop that, when I stop the next thing, then I will put Jesus in. Then there will be room for Jesus. I'm saying to you, put Jesus in, and these other things will slowly begin to go, if that makes sense. Satan wants to spoil the work of God, but God wants to keep us close to himself. Jude verse 9, but even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. How do we challenge the evil one when he comes to tempt us? Well, the message says it this way, the archangel Michael, who went to the mat with the devil as they fought over the body of Moses, wouldn't have dared level him with a blasphemous curse, but said simply, no, you don't. God will take care of you. You see, when you put God into the picture, then he begins to flee. A lot of people have said it the other way around. Well, I need to you know, get rid of all these things, and then I can have space for God. No, friends, that's the wrong way. When we put God first, these other things come second. And so, Judy's actually, uh, you know, telling us that there's a reality taking place here. And I don't want to get into the speculation of, of what happened to Moses' body, because the temptation there of, of you know, uh, if Moses was right there, they might have worshipped him and all the rest and made him an idol, and we can turn other things into idols, you know, physical things, so we can worship them. But here, Judy's telling us something, something extremely profound, the Lord rebuke you. In other words, what, what 
uh, he's saying to us that the battle is not yours, the battle is not mine, the battle is God's. We need to put God first. As we put God first, our lives begin to change, you see. The darkness goes and the light comes in. And I want to beg you this morning, don't torment yourself. Don't torment yourself with allowing other things to come in and saying, well, later on I'll put God first. Put God first and he will fight for you. Hold on to this verse if you like, if you're going through a hard time. 2 Chronicles 20, 15. The battle belongs to the Lord. Those two words, fear not, appear 366 times in the Bible. 365 days in the year, and another one for leap year. 366, fear not, the battle belongs to the Lord. And so as a church, we put our faith and trust in Jesus and in Jesus Christ alone, or else we're going to get into trouble. And then, you see, Satan is confused. Satan is confused uh, and disorientated. How? Well, by Revelation chapter 12, uh, verse 11, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. The Bible says in Revelation 12, 9, that they overcame him, they conquered him, and that word conquer there, nikaut, they conquered him with that swish, you know, that's the root word of that uh, Greek word there, nikau. Nike, if you like, they overcame him. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. I spent many years in the army in, in South Africa. And I am not physically prepared to take the evil one on because it's a spiritual battle. You know, I think I'm a ninja turtle sometimes. You know, but that's not going to help <laughs> to take the evil one on. The fat ninja turtle, that is. You know, listen, it's not going to happen to take Satan on physically. From a military perspective, no, it's a spiritual battle. So how do we do that? How do we confuse Satan? How do we defeat him? Because we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. And so I want to end off, I want to end off by, by showing you how to get to know your Bible better. Because as not we get rid of the bad... As we put the good in, the bad has to go. The bad has to go. As you put the light in, how does the darkness go? And let me end off with these quick points. Number one, begin your study with prayer. As you open the Word of God, if you ever do, <laughs> that's a challenge. As you read the Bible, begin with a prayer. Say, God, I invite you into the situation. God, I look at creation, you're beautiful. But God, speak to me through your word, special revelation. God, I'm taking the lid off. Reveal yourself to me. Secondly, you don't have to start at the beginning. You don't have to begin at Genesis and get confused. Begin with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And see how Jesus lived his life. And ask God to speak to you. Thirdly, you may want to choose a topic that's relevant for you. Like grace or, or repentance or forgiveness. Strength. And, and you can begin to find passages that speak about that particular topic. You could Google some passages. 
that have the word grace in them or whatever topic you want to deal with and begin to focus on that particular topic and ask God to reveal himself through that. Fourthly, you can also get to know a character. There are heaps of characters in the Bible, uh, good and bad. And, and if you choose a good one, say, God, how can I be like this good character? How can you reveal yourself to me in areas that I can be like this person? And how can I emulate my life uh, according to this particular person's character? I think what's also important, fifthly, is to write down uh, what you learn. Journal it. Write it down. Uh, get yourself a little book and, and write things down. On this particular day, God said this. And you'll see how you begin to join the dots, how God works in your life. It's it's amazing. It's profound. It's a spiritual journey that you're on, and God reveals himself to us spiritually. Number six, listen to uh, the Bible online, if you like. You know, while you're going for a walk, uh, uh, while you are uh, spending time uh, gardening or doing whatever, listen to the Bible online. God speaks through his word, and so there are many free apps uh, on, uh, online that you could download. I've got one that's on my phone. It's called E-Sword, E-Sword, S-W-O-R-D, $2.69. It's a wealth of knowledge. It gives me the Greek. It gives me the Hebrew. You know? and, and as I look up a particular verse, wow, I just click on it. Biggest investment I've ever made, $2.69. Really? And it's so profound, and it feeds my soul. Number seven, read or share with someone else. Get somebody, you don't have to go from Genesis to Revelation in two weeks. No, just share a passage with somebody. Read together. Read as a family, perhaps. Read the Bible. Number eight, look up what you don't understand. Look up what you don't understand. Obviously, go to the right uh, websites and, and read uh, what you don't understand because God can reveal himself to us. Number nine, pause and listen. Pause and listen. You see... When we come before God, it's not only so we can speak to Him, but it's for Him to speak to us as well. So to pause and to listen, what He has to say is so important. And then finally, don't get discouraged. It's a lifelong journey. I love this, this theological word. We're all on a pilgrimage together. We are on a journey together. We're on a pilgrimage together. And we'll get there together. When one is feeling down, the other one is there to lift us up together. I don't know where you are on your journey, but as you look in that last slide there, there are three glasses. The one is empty, the middle one is half full or half empty, and the third one is full. I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey. If your glass or your cup is empty, I beg you, come to Jesus and get it filled up. If it's half empty or half full, I ever, you know, if you're an optimist or pessimist, you know, but come to Jesus, let him fill you up. You see, the evil one is a deceiver. He wants us to be empty. But God has said that he has come that we might have life and have it to the full. John 10, 10. And friends, if you're sitting here this morning and you feel a little bit down, know that God has got your back. 
and the battle is not yours. It's his battle, but you need to come to him. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19 says, do not get drunk on wine. That leads to debauchery. Because when you consume the wrong stuff, it leads you to the wrong stuff. But be filled with the Spirit. It's present, continuous, and passive because He fills us up. Not only to be full, but to overflow. And that's what He wants. Only you know whether you're empty, half full, or totally full. But come and be refreshed again. We have this amazing responsibility of being created in the image of God, but to worship Him. Sometimes we need a, a, a topping up. And I beg you this morning, come and be topped up by Him. Come and be filled with Him to overflow. When that happens, the darkness must flee. It must flee. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that it's not by might nor by power, but only by your Holy Spirit that we are able to overcome. Lord, we also want to thank you that greater are you who is in us than the evil one that is in the world. And so we beg you to come, Lord, this morning, to come and fill us afresh. To come and touch us, Lord. Lord, those of us who are empty, come and begin to fill us, Lord, one drop at a time. Lord, for those who are half full, Lord, as well. And Lord, not only do we want to be full, but we want to overflow, Lord, with your presence and your joy. Help us to do this. For your honor, for your glory, Lord, for your fame. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray, and get your honor in Jesus' name. Amen.